Welcome to From the Pulpit, the sermon podcast of St. Matthias Anglican Church in Katy, Texas. Today's sermon was delivered by Father Jason Grote. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be always acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Please be seated. It's hard to believe, but today is the fourth Sunday after Easter already. It's been a month since the Easter egg hunts. It's been a month since the candy baskets. It's been a month since the Easter lilies. It's been a month since the new dresses and the new suits. But while the days seem to pass us by so quickly, we must not let the truths of Easter pass us by. During the Easter season, actually from Good Friday all the way through to the Ascension, we're focused on this theme of death to life. I mean, ultimately, that's what it's all about. And it seems like a generic statement to say that, but it's still a true statement. As Christians... As witnesses to the world of the Christian faith, our concern, our theme, our big hurrah is about going from death to life. We go from the grave to heaven. And in a very real sense, within the context of our lessons each week, during these 40-something days from Good Friday to Ascension, it has us go from the grave to heaven. We see that in the person of Jesus and the historical events that we look at during that time. We go from the the tomb of Good Friday to the empty tomb of Easter morning and then 40 days later to Jesus ascending into heaven. We go from death to life to abundant life, if you will. We go from the grave to heaven. But it's not just about Jesus doing this. It's about that work of Jesus being accomplished for us and in us. And it's key that we understand those prepositions. Jesus didn't just die. Jesus didn't just rise. Jesus didn't just ascend for us as though we're spectators in the process with no involvement whatsoever. Jesus did these things so that what he did for us could then be accomplished in us so that we could actively become a part of him and of his life. It's sort of like the Eucharist. We can understand it that way. Actually, we should understand it that way. The sacramental aspect of the Eucharist is such that by the very act of eating, what is done for us and apart from us literally becomes in us as we consume it. There's an inseparable connection of the work of Christ for us that now becomes the work of Christ in us. We dwell in him and he in us, as our prayer of humble access says in the communion service. And so we don't just consider that Christ died. We don't just consider that Christ rose again. We don't just consider that Christ ascended. We embrace those truths as evidence and assurances of such realities in our lives. So as Christ died, so we die. So as Christ rose again, so we have new life. So as Christ ascended to the right hand of the Father in his resurrected body, so our bodies will be resurrected 
and we will stand in the presence of God. We go from death to the new life of being made alive in Christ Jesus to the final culmination of the resurrection when we stand before God in heaven in glory. We go from the grave to heaven. And the whole of the Easter season is showing us that. Today, we're presented with the resurrection. I'm not talking about a general idea of the resurrection, meaning that Christ came alive after he was dead. I'm talking about the resurrection in the sense of eternal life. Jesus said in the most oft-quoted phrase, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, to the end that all that believeth in him should not die, but have everlasting life. Jesus said again, and we quote this at almost every funeral, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will never or will live even if he dies. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. And St. John said, and the testimony is this, that God hath given us eternal life. And this life is in his son. Jesus came to save us and to give us life eternal. He didn't come to save us just for this moment but for eternity. Jesus didn't come just to give us some sort of relief from our guilt for 30 or 60 or perhaps even 90 years and then have us die and go, okay, no more. Jesus came so that we might have life eternal. And yes, it's true that death seems so final for all those who are still here, for those who lose a loved one. I mean, we will not see our mothers We will not see our fathers. We will not see our brothers or our sisters or our spouses or our friends that we miss. They'll come to us in memories, pictures, mannerisms instilled in us. But our eyes will not see them again in the same way as they once did. So yes, death seems so final to us and appears to be the end. And it's sad and it's sorrowful. Just as Jesus says to his disciples in the upper room, sorrow fills your heart. Friends, death is not death. And that is Jesus' point to his disciples in the upper room. You have sorrow for a while, but that sorrow is taken away. Why? Because of the resurrection and eternal life. Because Jesus rose from that grave, because Jesus ascended to heaven, because Jesus said, He who believes in me, though he dies, yet shall he live and shall live eternally. Because of what Jesus did for me, it shall also be in me. So as sure as I stand here today and confess Christ, so sure as I stand here and believe with my whole heart that God the Son became incarnate and walked this earth and was crucified, dead, and buried. So sure as I stand here and believe that God raised him up from that tomb and that his disciples touched him, that he ate with them. And so sure as I stand here and believe that he then ascended up into heaven to sit at the right hand of the Father and will so for eternity, so equally sure am I then that death is not death. And all those who die in the Lord will live for eternity in the presence of God, body and all. And I believe in the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come, as we say every week in the creed. And it's with eternity in mind that we live now. 
It's that eternal life which breathes life into us now. It's that eternal life which gives us hope now. It's that eternal life which gives us perspective. I live because Christ lives for and in me. And this is what we learn from Job today. Job's going through a tough time. And I've preached on him before, and I'm not going to go through all the details of his book right now. But Job is known for his suffering situation. He's lost his children in the blink of an eye. He's lost his livelihood. He's been plagued with what we can describe as smallpox with boils uh, all over his entire body. And so he sits there in ashes. He sits there with oozing and, and, and open sores. He sits there wallowing in his spiritual, emotional, and physical pain. And all his friends can do is to blame him. You sinned. You did something wrong to deserve this. And I mean, even his wife says to him, well, just curse God and die. What a wonderful wife. <laughs> and Job goes through this intense struggle with himself. He argues with the perspective of his friends. He argues and struggles with some resentment towards God. And I'm pretty sure that we've all gone through those kind of moments, haven't we? God is wrong. God isn't fair. I'm an innocent bystander in life. I'm God's pawn. And others telling you that you should just give up on God and stop that nonsense. Go curse God and die. Now, as I said, I don't want to go through the whole book of Job. And I don't really want to go down that rabbit trail of thought. That would be a different sermon than today's consideration. But I want to give you a feel for that situation because it's within this context that we receive quite the gem from Job. Job gives us a, a diamond in the rough, if you will. And it comes from Job chapter 19, verses 25 through 27. Justin read it for us earlier, but let me reread it for you now. For I know that my Redeemer lives, and he shall stand at last on the earth. And after my skin is destroyed, this I know, that in my flesh I shall see God, whom I shall see for myself, and mine eyes shall behold, and not another, how my heart yearns within me. Do you hear that hope that Job has? Do you hear that assurance that Job has? Do you hear that one thing out of all of the situation and circumstance that he's in that Job can cling to? He has these three guys yapping at him. He has his wife yapping at him. He has his own inner struggle and frustration screaming from within him. He has the physical pains pulling at him. And he feels like that God has unjustly punished him. But amidst this more than trying time and all of these thoughts, Job's heart literally yearns within himself for the assurance of his Redeemer and his resurrection. I know that my Redeemer lives, and in my flesh I shall see God. That's Job's great pearl, or pearl of great value. In all of life, there is only one thing to which we can cling with 100% certainty. There is only one thing with, which, which we can count on with 100% certainty. Our Redeemer, Jesus. And because we have him as our Redeemer, we know that in our flesh we shall see God. 
A couple of weeks ago, I quoted a song called Because He Lives. Today, I'm going to quote another throwback hymn to the late 1800s. Can't help it, but I was raised on this stuff. Anyways, this hymn was written by a blind hymn writer, and I'm sure many of you know it. Its first verse and its refrain say this. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. Heir of salvation, purchase of God, born of his spirit, washed in his blood. This is my story. This is my song, praising my Savior all the day long. This is my story. This is my song, praising my Savior all the day long. Because he lives for us, we have this blessed assurance in us. And friends, that's our praise all the day long. We pray that God's Spirit has spoken to you and blessed you today through this sermon. If you would like to learn more about St. Matthias Anglican Church, you can visit us on the web at www.stm.com. K-A-T-Y dot org.